So we left off last chapter, where all the pilgrims were in the boat copter, heading out towards the land of unrest, being taught by Miyamoto that native language of his. In the air, they were attacked by some winged creature, and escaping with their lives, they also arrived at that place, the land of the rising sun, and was welcomed. Johnny meeting the daimyo. Lug and Bash also making himself at home, slaughtering many hogs and making a profit. And the king and Reggie were lost out at sea. And now, the chapter begins. Early in the morning, Johnny wakes up to the smell of home-cooked food. <sighs> oh, that does smell good. <sighs> Laying on a pallet on the ground, he rolls over onto his back. Cuts his eyes towards the window he's laying next to. You can hear a little bit of traffic outside. And chickens are clucking not too far from here. A strange world he is in. Not like his own. But nice and pleasant. Then he feels underneath his covers in his hand. Pulling it out from the covers. The journal. I must have slept with it. My. Well. And he looking out that door that's open. And that minka. They're gonna be a little bit. Guess I can get one. I guess I can get one entry in. And Johnny flips open that journal to the second entry of Sir Ulrich. You know, I love all you guys. I love every last one of you. Good people, right? Great my heart. And there, he begins to read. Entry number two. We finally made it to the port of St. Andrews by sunrise, just as planned. The night prior, we did manage to get some rest by an open fire. A few swigs of tea made with passion fruit did me in, thanks to Sir Arthur. I will become well acquainted with that tea, especially as we journey over open water. The port of St. Andrews is a tight, bustling town. The view here is spectacular. Sir Clarence and Sir Francis, the brothers, joked about not having any money for their admission fee on board the ship, but their lust for the crab shack betrayed them. My appetite, however, was hard set on roast beasts, and I had Sir Frendrell on my side. The other three were leaning hard on fish and shrimp. I reminded them of the king's command, that is, that we stay together. Therefore, we cast lots, and it fell on the crab shack. We quickly sat down to meet, for we can see our vessel approaching. I must say, these Dungeness crabs have a sweet, buttery flavor and rich. The meaty texture ranks them truly unique. Sir Fabian ate so much that he could not stand up. When asked why, he replied, Always eat like it's your last meal. Sir Findrell, the brute, gambled with a few merchant men in that shack and managed to double his money. I attempted to discourage the idea, to which the brute replied back in words I cannot repeat, followed up with, You're not my king, so... Being put in my place, I held my tongue. Fortunately, the skipper of that ship 
entered in and called for all passengers to board the mighty Vier. Moments later, we loosed from St. Andrews. May the great king above grant us mercy and safe travels. End of entry number two. Johnny, closes up that journal. Raising up his head, he can see, leaning against the doorpost of that room, Miyamoto, along with armor. Uh, is it ready? Oh, it is ready. Come, eat, get your strength. You're gonna need it very soon. Nice. Hello, Armor. Good morning, Johnny. Come on. The food here is really good. I got you a little... I already made you a plate. Come on. All right. All right. I'm, I'm coming. I'm coming. Setting down the journal. Johnny rises to get some strength for that morning. Hey, morning, Johnny. I'm coming. Come on. I'm coming. Quickly after breakfast, Miyamoto took Johnny outside. For training before Denku shows up. So, um, this Denku. Yes. Is he a good, good swordsman? The best. Better than you. The best. Oh, do I have any, any, any chance at all in putting up a good fight with him? Oh. Miyamoto looking away. Do I have any chance at all putting up a good fight? Miyamoto, as Johnny steps a little to the right to face Miyamoto in the face. Duh, do you want me to lie to you? No, t tell me, tell me like it is. Okay. Miyamoto turning his face back over to Johnny. I don't think you have a hope in this life, in the next, five lives ago or ten lives later to even take anything from Dinku. Oh, that's kind of the truth I thought you were going to say. I... Well, I'll give it to you like it was straight. Look, he's a fast man. Very good. There's a reason why he's a leader of the samurai. Now, before we get to the beginning in this training, you need to first calm your mind, breathe in your nose, and out your mouth. <sighs> That's it? Oh, well keep doing it. Can I just breathe in my mouth and out my mouth? It, it's kind of a, a preference I've been doing. Oh, in all things, have no preferences. It'll be easier for you. Okay, in my nose? Oh, sorry, sorry. That's in my mouth. In through my nose. Out through my mouth. Yes. Come on, do it. No, not like you. Oh, we got lots. Oh, well, anyway, I cannot teach you a whole lot before he... Before he could say another word, he looks to his left. And Dinku arrives with a whole army of samurai soldiers in full battle. Now this man, Dinku, had arrived with a great train of men, for he does know how to make an entrance, and the samurai army had surrounded the village, a friendly army to them. 
Denku dismounts his horse and stands next to it. Having a long, hard, and deep stare into Johnny's eyes. Could this be the one, he thought. Knowing that in times past and generations past, that is, many had boasted themselves a great man and shown up to the land of the rising sun only to miserably and utterly fail. But could this be the one? For it had been a while since anyone had attempted to rid this place of such a ruthless immortal emperor. That long hard stare, Johnny stands frozen. The hair on Dinku is as black as a starless night. His eyes are as sharp as the wakasashi on his side, and his posture is demanding and as stout as a lion. Dinku takes a few steps and looks over at Miyamoto, looks back at Johnny. He signals for one of the men to bring two bokens. And wasting no time, Denku throws one to Johnny. Denku approaches with both hands on the boken to square off. Denku advances towards his unworthy opponent carefully. An underestimation of any foe, worthy or not, is a fool's game to play. Johnny grips his boken extra tight, for he knows that samurai love nothing else than to pluck a sword from the hand of their enemy. It wasn't long before Denku was added. Denku starts off with a fake. A deceptive move such as a distracting strike to bait Johnny. And Johnny goes for the hook line and sinker, attempting to prevent the attack from finding its mark. A cracking thud rings out over Johnny's shin. Okay, in through the nose. Out through the mouth. Oh. In through the nose. Out through the mouth. Dirty move. Okay. Okay. That did little to help the pain. Get up. Get up. All right. All right. Get up. Get up. Now, now, now it's time to fight. You asked for it. Yeah, you you asked for it, Denku. Ah, Johnny goes on the offense with a cutting, sweeping motion, followed by a sidestep and a thrust. Denku deflects the thrust and counterattacks with a cuff to Johnny's chin. The weebling, wobbling knight retreats a little space to recover. Oh, wow. wow. That, that definitely Ow. I know that. Oh, my God. <laughs> wow. I didn't know that how to hit. Ow. As he opens his mouth and shuts it, trying to relocate the joints. Ow. He looks over at Miyamoto, and there are several Miyamotos spinning around, going up towards the sky and coming back towards the earth going up towards the sky and coming back towards the earth. And in his ear, he can hear the footsteps of Denku. Denku approaches the wobbler, parries the boken out of his hand, gives his abdomen a thwack. And with the hinder end of his boken, he strikes Johnny in the back, then kicks him onto the ground, belly up. 
Johnny lays in pain and agony. A throbbing chin. A fiery pain in his gut. And a bruising, aching back. And he can still feel the footprint that touched his shoulder, shoving him onto his back. Dinku paces back and forth in front of the crowd. His countenance is angry, and rightfully so, and justifiably, for he had traveled with a great train of men. In his mind, he had imagined a great warrior, tall, stout, and strong, standing here waiting for him to come and prove and try to find him to be the one that would rid the country of that immortal emperor. But instead, he got this weak young strapling, bruised and laying on his back, a mockery. He is not a warrior. Dinku turns and walks the other direction. He is not noble. He stops and looks over at Miyamoto. He is not strong. And he walks in another direction, looking at armor, looking at the pilgrims. He is weak, pointing with his boken to Johnny. He is small. And then walking over, the daimyo that's standing next to Miyamoto. Bowing his head in respect. Looking him in the eyes. Knowing he just let him down. That this is nothing more than another glory seeker. Oh, wade master. It's over. And others putting their heads down, turning around and starting to walk off. But then, from the lips of Johnny. Yet, no. Denku, looking over his shoulder. Nani? What? Oh, what a master. Yet, it's over. No, Soro Ademasen. E show, it's not over. So the Made O Adamasta until it's over. And Denku, confused, holding his boken tightly, he walking over there to Johnny as Johnny still remains on his back. He puts the boken to the neck of Johnny. Yet, no. Oh, Adamasta, it's over. And lifting up that boken to smite Johnny, Johnny reaches out his hand towards the sword of Numa that Miyamoto is holding. And immediately, the sword leaps out of the sheath, soars through the void of the ground and the sky, and landing into the hand of Johnny just in time as the boken comes down and he slices that boken in half, looking over the broken pieces into the eyes of Dinku. Sorowa. Aramasa. It's not over. Isho. Everyone else is amazed. Speechless they are. Dinku, all he can do is look in Johnny's eyes. And the words that come out mean everything to Dinku. Kodai, ancient. Kodai, ancient. Just then, the daimyo steps forward through the crowd and holding his hands up. Jobun, 
Enough. Jobun! Enough. Ini... Ini... Keado! Go home. Ini Keado! Go home. With those words, everyone leaves. Meanwhile, with the King of Nod, they toiled in the night and found an island, and pulling their boat up onto the sand, they both collapsed for they are weary with their journey, and rested the rest of the night. And in the morning light, the waves pushed against the sand, touching the feet of Reggie and startling him, waking him up. Oh dear, huh? And setting up quickly, oh. Looking to his left, he sees palm trees. On the ground, white seashells. And crystal clear, beautiful blue water and birds of all sort flying in the air looking for food. Oh, what a lovely island, sir. Oh, we, we crashed upon a beautiful, lovely island. Sir, as he turns, isn't it? Oh, sir. And the king is laid face down in the sand. A little passageway for the air to travel into his mouth was created by him breathing hard. Oh, sir. And scrambling to get to him quickly. Sir, sir. Oh, grabbing the hair of the king and peeling his head back. Sir. Oh, dear. Oh, you got a lot of sand on you. Let me get that sand off there for you, sir. Oh, there we go, sir. Oh, dear me. Oh, all that's going to be stuck on the pretty. Oh, dear. Ah, that thing I got There it is, sir. I see a lovely, I see a lovely smile. There it is. Let me get all that off this, sir. Ah, sir, we landed on a beautiful island. Reggie, would you let go of my hair? Oh, yes, sir. And his face flops right back down into the sand. Oh dear. And he grabs the hair and pulls his head back again. <laughs> Reggie, let go of my hair right now. I don't care if my face falls into this. There you go, Seth. And the king lifts himself up and stands onto his feet. <laughs> Reggie, I don't need your help. I got it on my own, Reggie. Now, where are we? So. We have landed on a very beautiful island. Look at the seashells. Look at the seagulls. And look at the beautiful, beautiful crystal clear blue water, sir. Oh, wow. Yes, look sir. at those seagulls. Look at the beautiful... Yes. <laughs> Reggie. I'm starving, Reggie. Got any food on the boat? Oh, no, sir. We, we, we didn't really intend for all this. <laughs> Great. Now we gotta go find, I hope... I hope your survival skills are in the tip-top condition. Yes, sir. I have quite a navigational knack, sir. Oh, really? Okay, we'll navigate us to some food. Yes, sir. First, I gotta look at the terrain. Okay, we got a few things here. Uh, oh, sir. Uh, what? Look at this rock over there, sir. That white rock. Doesn't it look just like a skull, sir? Uh, oh, that, oh, oh, that right, that white rock right there, that, that one with the little eye holes in it, and I'm pretty sure that, that rock has 32 teeth in it. Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah, isn't it something, huh, Reggie? Yes, sir. It's amazing what Mother Nature can do. <laughs> yeah. It's something, isn't it, Reggie? As they walk closer to that white rock. <laughs> Look right here. It is something, isn't it? How how just time and nature can give a few splashes of water here and there on a rock and it can just carve the, the most interesting pieces of art. Yes, sir. It's quite lovely. And I'm sure if you dig around that, that rock, <laughs> you might find some stone ribs and maybe a few femurs that nature just carves with some time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yes, sir, I suppose. <laughs> now, come on, Reggie. We better find some food quickly. Or else nature might do its finest work of art on both of us. Oh, yes, I agree, sir. All right, 
Some thick vegetation now we're ready. Just follow me a second. And they enter into the thickest of this forest. Palm trees and pokey things and spikes and thistles and thorns. All types of ill-tempered birds fly overhead. <laughs> All right, Reggie. <laughs> uh, oh, sir, I don't know what. Oh, I think those are bananas up, up on the tree, sir. A banana tree. Okay, then just shimmy on up there and grab a few bananas, a bunch of them, and throw them down here. Yes, sir. And Reggie walking over to the tree. Oh, dear. Uh, well, I, I'm not really much of a shimmier, sir. Could, could, could I perhaps... Uh, put my foot on your, on, on your, maybe on a knee, sir? Uh, I suppose. Uh, hurry up. And the king get down on one knee. Reggie putting his foot on the knee. Okay, right here. Uh, 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 sir, it's not high enough, sir. Could you perhaps stand up a little bit? Uh, okay. Uh, uh, oh, dear. And the king standing up and holding on to the tree. And the Reggie begins to climb up onto the king and put his foot up on the shoulders of the king. Still, Reggie. And his foot even hits the face of Re- the king. Get up there. Oh, sir. I just need just another few inches. Sir, I'm going to have to put my foot on your head, sir. <laughs> All right. Hurry up, though. Yes, sir. Uh, oh, yes, sir. Oh, are you ready? I got it. I got it, sir. Oh, yeah. It's a, it's a good one. Uh, 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 there you go, sir. All right. Give me the banana, Reggie. Here you go, sir. And they peel the bananas and begin to eat. Till their bellies are well filled with that yellow, sweet deliciousness. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yes, definitely Yes. <laughs> and a loud, ferocious noise at a distance, but very, very fearsomely close. <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> Yes, sir. I heard it, too. And what do you suppose that was, Reggie? <laughs> it it sounded something like a muskrat, sir. Um, <laughs> a muskrat? Yes, sir. I have heard, sir, uh-huh. how that muskrats on certain islands such as this one, uh-huh. left alone from all the predators and uh-huh. plenty of food supply, sir, they can grow rather large, perhaps the size of a, uh, of a dog, sir. Oh, you you think that was one of those those muskrat things? <laughs> yeah, yeah, they, that you read about or heard about? Yes, sir. It, it, I, I wouldn't worry too much about it, sir. <laughs> yeah, that's quite a muskrat. <laughs> perhaps, uh, perhaps that overgrown muskrat yes, was the reason why that rock over there was carved out, <laughs> all cleaned up and. Picked clean of any barnacles. <laughs> yes. Come on, Reg, let's go find a place to hide. and <laughs> Maybe get some weapons. Oh, yes, sir. I suppose we could get a few spears, sir, and, and, and jab at it a little. Maybe we'll cook it if we find it. Oh, yeah. I'm sure that's going to happen. We're just, we're just going to find a little muskrat and go ahead and give it a few jabs and maybe cook it tonight over an open flame that we don't have. Oh, yes, sir. Come on, Reg, let's go find some sticks and stuff on and carve them with a knife we don't have. Yes, yes, sir. And back at the land of the rising sun, in a room sitting on couches in one of the buildings that Max and Ophelian, Lug and Bash, are residing during their journey, they speak about the current events that had just taken place. I see it. That had the way the sword. Johnny reaches his hand out. The sword yanks out of the sheath, flies across it, and lands in his hand. Boom! Takes out the poking. 
Yeah, I don't know how he uh, did that. Uh, Were you lug? Any ideas? I, don't know. I was thinking maybe he had a string or I don't know a rope or something. Uh-huh. He just on it and boom, it pops out. I mean, those things kind of, you know, that stuff happens all yeah. the time. Yeah. Right? Right? I mean, right? Yeah. yeah. I don't know about I'm all the time. I'm with you on that. <laughs> I lived a little while on the earth, and oh. that's probably the first time I've... That's definitely uh. the first time I've ever seen someone reach out and yank a uh-huh. sword out of the sheath uh-huh. while 20 feet away. Yeah, it was like... It's like he commanded it to come out. <laughs> oh, yeah. hang on. I'll get the door. Oh, yeah, it was like something crazy, huh? He was yanking that thing, and it was flying across it, and he it, oh, and he just sliced the boat, and looked him right in the eye. I was feeling goose, I'm getting goose right now. Ooh, just thinking about it. I want to see that again. Yeah. Oh, it was. comes rushing back. What? What? Um, well, Lug, Bash. There are four what look to be farmer people, oh, nice. and they armed with farm equipment, and they're looking for, I don't know, some people that possibly had slaughtered their hogs and cooked them and then gave them away and made a profit. <laughs> Do you know anyone that might have done that? Oh, Ooh, I'm sure, man. I'm sure lots of people could have. Yeah. Could have. Uh, dozens, um, dozens. Could have. Uh, yeah. um, okay. Uh, how many did you say there was? Yeah, how many? Four of them. Four. And he's walking over there and pulling back the curtain. Yeah. Oh, man, he looks like those samurai type performers. Oh, yeah. Look at those. Why does everybody look like they could fight? What is that thing? A poor pitchfork? Oh, yeah, that's definitely. All right. I see a pitchfork. Oh, it's a garden hoe. Yeah, you got a garden hoe. Oh, okay, that one's got an axe. Oh, yeah. Oh, I respect an axe. Wait, look, look, look. Oh, oh, and the fourth one got a. Yeah. Got a sickle. sickle. I ain't messing yeah, with no yeah, sickle. Yeah. I'm out. I'm and he's out. shutting that curtain quickly. Yeah, quickly. Oh. Oh. oh, did you did you say I was here? Well, uh, they said they saw you and you walk in here. Oh, of course. Oh, oh, so oh, well, man. perhaps maybe I can go out there and do my famous Ooh. aerial roundhouse around the world kick oh, yeah. right in their chins. Boom. Oh, yeah, around <laughs> the world. That doesn't really work. It doesn't make sense. Everybody knows the world's flat. The world is not flat. Yeah. It's round. Flat. No. Okay. Flat. If it's round, then how come we're not rolling all around the place like a marble? Yeah. Huh? Yeah, explain to me that. Yeah. I don't know. Perhaps maybe there's like this invisible type of force that just pulls you down towards the surface. Yeah. I don't know what it's called, but. I remember it happened in the boat copter whenever the blade went out. It, uh-huh. the, the gravity of it, just uh-huh. the fear. I don't know what it's called, but one day somebody's gonna find out. I, I can see that. Yeah. All right. the world, if the world is round, like you say it is, then uh, uh-huh. how come? Uh, we, I don't know. We never been to the other side. How do you know? Yeah. How do you know you never? Okay. If the world's flat. Uh, then how come all the water doesn't just run off the edge, huh? Ooh. Genius. Why does the water just run off like a big waterfall and we all run out of ocean? Yeah, that's, that's a good point. Yeah, I like oh, what you say. It's because it's like, uh, I don't know, a big giant puddle. It's a huge puddle. Like a big crater, yeah. you know, in a puddle and everything just kind of puddles up. Yeah. It's deep. And that, that's why it doesn't, that's obviously why it doesn't run off. Uh, I can see what you're saying. <laughs> Max! Will you choose yeah. a side, me or him? Uh, choose, you gotta make me choose. Okay, uh, uh, the, the, my all-time favorite best friend uh-huh. that we grew up together, and we're uh-huh. like brothers, like yeah. siblings. Uh-huh. Uh, look, yeah, don't make me choose. It's so hard. Oh. <laughs> look, we gotta get out of here because you know the four farmer guys out there in the sickle. Yeah. I, I ain't messing with yeah. sickles. No, no sickles. Sickles are crazy. Uh, nice they block a sickle. They go weird ways, huh? All right, think. I got an idea. Think, 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 think. As he taps his forehead, think, think, think. And then Max reaches over there with his finger and helps tap Ophelia's forehead. Think, 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 Hey, I got an idea. Uh, see that? It worked. Oh, boy. All right, follow in my 
same footsteps. Well, actually, we're going to follow in your footsteps, Luck and Bash. Our footsteps. Uh huh. <laughs> And outside, with the four farmers that are armed ready to fight, the door opens up unto them. And out step these two giants, 12 feet tall, wearing a red sheet all the way down to their ankles. At the top of the red sheet, it was cut out so that Max and Philian could poke their heads out, and their arms likewise. And all the four farmers stand in the shadow of these two, Oh, I've never uh, seen never. such a no. gigantic man before uh, in all my life. Uh, <laughs> well, now, <laughs> as Aphelion puts his hands on his chest, now you have, as he looks down upon them. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> now you're knocking on the wrong house. Oh, sorry if it's a wrong house, but we're looking for two rather large men, not so tall, that had taken our... Very delicious, very scrumptious, and fattest, and choicest hogs slaughtered them and sold them for our profit. And they can hear Lug and Bash inside those sheets. What is going on with uh, your stomach? Uh, oh, my <coughs> stomach? It's making, it's, it's growling because you're making me hungry when you say all that stuff, right, Max, right? Oh, oh yeah, it's growling. Listen to it growl. Now stop listening. Stop listening to it growl now. Stop listening to it growl. Oh, right. So there's a, there's a hotel right over there. I'm just gonna, we're just going to go to this hotel, you know, and just... You know, uh, do you mind if we go inside yes. and take a look around? Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. Go on inside. Yeah, I guess. Take a look around. You won't find nothing. Nothing. And they, all four, go inside and search the place. Y'all gotta be quiet yeah. down there. You're gonna get us. Remember the sickle? Oh, yeah, the sickle. I don't want to mention the sickle. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. I ain't messing with a sickle. Oh, they're coming back out, they're coming back out. And all four of them come back out, very displeased that they did not find Lug or Bash. I don't know, I'm pretty sure I saw them. Yes. Uh, well, <laughs> that's too bad, yep. you, you must have got the wrong place. Taste, taste. Right, 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 uh, uh, Max? Oh yeah, yeah, right, wrong place. Yeah. Oh, y'all two look very different, what are you so tall for? Oh, we're tall because we, we eat really, uh, really good. All right. <clears throat> wow, what, what a stomach, huh? Yeah, we're not sitting on the tops of any of those guys you're looking for. Uh, <laughs> anyway, we gotta go. Alright, go! Where? Go, I mean, gurgle, gurgle. legs! Gurgle. Which way? I mean, <laughs> go! Go, right legs, right! Turn right! Okay, right. Now go gurgle. straight! No, stop. no, go straight! Okay, gurgle! Yeah, turn gurgle. left now and go straight! Yeah, follow them! Follow them, legs! Okay, you know, sometimes gurgle. you gotta tell your legs which way to go! <laughs> you get old! Right? Right, Max? Oh, yeah, you gotta, you gotta tell Bash where to go. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, Bash, I, it's why, I sometimes I call my legs or Bash, because, yeah. you know, you know it, it's not a person under me. Man, you're so horrible at this. <laughs> the sky is... Gurgling, bad. Uh, you're horrible, gurgle. <laughs> and Lug trips over an object, sending a fillion flying to his ground. And he looking over, but he's still sitting on the shoulders of Lug, but just on the ground. And all four of the farmers are staring at him, puzzled, wondering when Aphelion's going to get up. I'm just going to lay right yeah. here. Yeah, he, he can lay here all day. All day. Yeah, he can wait there all day. So I wouldn't sit there and watch him and see if uh, yeah. if any of the people you're looking for is underneath that blanket. Yeah, keep going. <laughs> you are going to so get it. And the four farmers turn back around and walk inside the building to research it. 
and Ophelian jumping off the shoulders, and Max also jumping off the shoulders of Max, and they run towards that inn. <laughs> Max, you are so one day gonna reap all of what you're doing. And they get to the inn, open up the door, step inside. <laughs> I tell you what, I don't know what you ate last night, but you were definitely like letting me know you ate something last night. I was gonna say it like as polite as I can. You were letting me know that what you ate last night was uh was definitely on the gassy side. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, my man. Oh, you cooked. Oh, that makes sense. Okay, there. I just yeah. smoked. Anyway, yeah. here, I'm gonna get a bottle of that too. Let's get a let's get a room for a couple nights. Yeah. All right. Uh, and they go up to the front desk. Yeah. The man turning around and looking at the crew. Uh, let me help you. <laughs> oh, oh my goodness, Max. I know. <laughs> Isn't, didn't we see him yeah, on the yeah, other side yeah, of the yeah, ocean? Sorry, in I the know, other hotel? I know I saw him. Yeah, he looked very familiar. Very, very familiar. That, that face. I have lots of brothers. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, you do. Yes. You got twin brothers? I can see that. Maybe. Yeah, How many nights would you like to stay? <laughs> three nights, yes, please. Yes, three, three, three. Just yes. at the very end of your third night, just go ahead and come down here and put the money right here. <laughs> All right. And where, where's the keys? Oh, then none of them are locked. None of them are locked? What? Just pick one. What? Come on, this is a big yeah, one. Yeah, All right, yeah. let's, let's go. Come on, I'm done talking. I'm going to pick one here. We got a good one. Oh, yeah. And it wasn't long after that that the sun fell at the horizon of the earth and the moon, a fingernail moon, hung high in the air and a few of the stars peeked down upon the earth to see Johnny sitting down at the feet of a giant statue, a 30 feet tall statue of a warrior, a warrior without a head, an old ancient statue in that land, it's old and withered. Many of it has markings, carvings, and chips all over it. One would only imagine that in its lifetime, it was a beautiful work of art, but now a ruin. Johnny sitting at his feet, looking up into the sky, waiting for Mayumoto to bring back word from the High Council, the meeting that he is in. And up in the sky, turning towards the west, going over the land and over all the trees, passing over the houses and over the villages, over the hills, and in that land, yes, far in that land, rest a very giant castle, colossal castle that is, with a tower reaching up into the clouds, and at the top of the tower there are no windows, and heading into that tower up against the bricks pushing your way past it in a warm, grisly chamber, furnished with unsatisfying luxuries. There he sat. The pale, stoic face of this man seems void, not occupied with any visible matter of passion. That suffering feeling of the mind one gets at the thought of injury. This vandal's eyes have vanished, having no perceivable existence, and the vanity which they left behind reveals their empty want of substance to desire. A large stone ring is bound to his finger, bound like an oath, and it burns a mysterious purple atop a chalky white hand. The heat emitting from the fire Crowd the room and abound to every corner. The white hair hangs smoothly from under a gold crown. A baron 
socket is all that remains where a crystal once rested. Underneath his disguise, past his veil, and beneath the concealed wrapping of his chest lies a heart. A heart that once leaped with fond happiness at the success of others. A heart that supplied an abundance of encouraging and inspiring words. A heart that bears old scars of being pricked by the overbearing lament of those wholly destitute of property. The dejected of society. But now, the heart feels no pain, no sorrow. Happiness is a forgotten memory. An enemy has a fact. Anger, hate, wrath have no dwelling here either. It is void of all. And at the lips of this man utters the word. Johnny opening his eyes quickly. It is as if the words that he heard ring out overhead. Johnny looking around as if somebody called his name, but seeing no man. Then hearing the footsteps. Mayamoto. Miyamoto. Oh. Did you did you call me? Did you say something? No, I did not say nothing. But look. I got all the counsel and they accepted to train you. Oh good. Oh I think that's good. It is good. But you must have a little more training with a sword, they say. I will be the one to train you up. You need a little more before you head out on your journey. I understand. I do need some training. I agree. Very well, let's get to it. Oh, first thing in the morning. First thing in the morning. All right. But I must be going. I have to meet up with Dinku. All right. Thanks. Thank you for everything again, Miyamoto. No. No, Johnny. You will... Your fame has already spread throughout this land, especially what happened earlier. Your fame is spreading. But just stay humble. Right, right. I know that before destruction, the heart of man is haughty. Very good, Johnny. Stay humble. Miyamoto turning around and walking away. But Johnny, still hearing those words in his ears. Bringing his hand down, he bumps it. Pulling out from under his garments. That journal. A Sir Ulrich. Oh, yes. There, Johnny sits down to read. And he opening it up. Unto the third entry. Entry number three. It's been five days now since we departed from the port of St. Andrews. I'm writing this entry under the light of a candle. The night is dark and I reckon I'm the only one awake on the mighty Vier. Two days ago, our third day on this voyage, Skipper Dugley spotted a single wooden ship, roughly the size of our own, save a few meters, and had its distress flag held high above its crow's nest. The good man of this vessel 
stirred the helm 15 degrees west while the fore staysail grabbed some wind for a nautical mile. Several carpenters staged on the quarter deck to await their arrival. And with the wind at our back, we arrived east of our starboard in no time. A few of the men here dropped a plank to connect the two vessels. I and the six others with me remained out of sight on the main deck against the fore castle. Just as I feared. Pirates. They stormed on board our ship with speed. But, to their surprise, they had no idea that the king's finest was out at sea that day. They look on their faces when Fenderell shouted. I would give a week's wages to see that again. We had them running in all directions, turning about so fast their shadows were confused. Sir Francis chased three of them towards the bow of the ship. He'll be just fine. Sir Arthur pushed two into the water, to which a few of the merchants began hurling crates at their heads, and I held them I expounded unto them that the sea will do just fine. Sir Fendrell took it upon himself to run aboard the pirate ship. I better go after him, lest he commit crimes against humanity. We carried away a dozen or so captive and torched the vessel. Skipper Dudley gave the seven of us a full refund. But Sir Fabian, a goodly man, who had a name, suggested we give the money to the family of the three carpenters who lost their lives when the pirates stormed aboard our ship. To that, we all agreed and gave the money unto their families, holding it into the treasury till our arrival. May the great king above grant us mercy and safe travel. End of entry number three. Johnny, closing up that book, that journal of Sir Ulrich. <sighs> Feeling that tranquility upon him. Johnny, standing up, turns himself and heads towards the Minka to get some rest for that night. And that's the end of that chapter. All right, some credits. Credits, credits. Everybody likes credits. <laughs> All right, uh, so uh, that last bit uh, there with uh, Miyamoto and Johnny, and you're all talking the harp music <laughs> and the pirate music on Sir Ulrich's journal. That's all brought to you by you. Uh, uh, fantasy and world music by the Fetchers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's their beast. It's pretty good. It's, it's actually really good. That's why I chose it. So, uh, yep, that's theirs. Uh, they get credit for it. All right, uh, see you on the next chapter. <laughs> Bye.